Wallace. Milady, what kindness of you to visit a stranger? Princess. Sir, I come to beg you to confess all and swear allegiance to the king that he might show you mercy. Wallace. Will he show mercy to my country? Will he take back his soldiers and let us rule ourselves? Princess. Mercy is to die quickly, perhaps even live in the tower. In time, who knows what can happen if you can only live? Wallace. If I swear to him, then everything I am is dead already. She wants to plead. She wants to scream. She can't stop the tears, and the jailers are watching. Wallace. Your people are lucky to have a princess so kind that she can grieve at the death of a stranger. She almost goes too far now, pulling closer to him, but she doesn't care. She whispers, pleading. Princess, you will die. It will be awful. Wallace, every man dies. Not every man really lives. She pulls out a hidden vial and whispers. Princess, drink this. It will dull your pain. Wallace, it will numb my wits, and I must have them all. If I'm senseless, or if I will, then long shanks will have broken me. This is the famous scene, closing scene from the movie, the wonderful movie Braveheart. It's a powerful statement, a powerful dialogue, and a man looking at the end of his journey, at the end of his life, at the end of his fight. This is something uh, that I think really resonates with not only myself, but a lot of us right now in this time. I think this is a uh, real touching scene, a moment where you are really tested in your convictions. You know, I think back to, as I've talked to you guys before about this, those two weeks at the beginning of the so-called pandemic and how I paced my living room floor I'll never forget how angry I was in that moment, just in that moment, thinking, where the hell is all this leading? Where is it going? It wasn't so much the, the virus or sickness that was scaring me, but rather society's reaction to the virus, society's reaction to this, the reaction to it, the fear of it, how complicit people were what they were willing to do, not just to themselves and their own families, but their neighbors, everyone, to up, upend society at large. That was uh, the most harrowing thing for me. I'll never forget it. And I'm here today. And if you're tuning in right now, welcome to the official podcast of Brandon Ritchie, powered by Substack. I'm doing a solo today, guys, but I wanted to get across a little message to have some audio. I said that I wouldn't have a podcast this week, at least not one with a guest, but I'm working on lining up some guests. But I wanted to get in a solo track this uh, this afternoon, at least have something to offer up. I'm going to be out of town here for a few days, and I, I just get a little antsy if I don't get some content out to you guys, and I always want to do that. But this is a this is a harrowing experience and time we're living in. Some philosophers call it the fourth turning. Um, others call it, you know, refer to it as just, you know, a third, the third world war. I, I think it's a combination of those things. We're dealing with some, a creeping progression of corruption. 
and authoritarianism from the likes we haven't seen since at least World War II. This is 1930s Germany all over again. It's just on a global scale, and it's uh, under the guise of a lot of things that have to do with policymaking that that runs downhill from um, you know green energy movement and all that all that sort of thing. But here, there's also this when it comes to uh, public authority and the public's willingness to go along with an order. There is an experiment that I'm very familiar that I've been familiar with for quite some time. It was a social experiment, social psychology experiment conducted by Stanley Milgram. It's known as the Milgram experiment. Uh, Milgram, many years ago, did this experiment, and it ranged in it worked over individuals who ranged in age from 20 to 50. And they had a diverse range of occupations and different levels of education. And, and background, and the experiment went like this, that basically they were given an order to administer a shock to somebody, to, to a participant, and, a, and this, this authority would give the order and instructed them to perform the acts that maybe would conf conflict with their personal conscience, but they were led to believe that they were, they were assisting the, an unrelated experiment by doing this, by administering these shocks, these electric shocks, to a learner you know, that was part of the experiment. And they were fake electric shocks, but it gradually would increase to levels that would have eventually been fatal to the learner, according to the authority figure. But nonetheless, what they found that was so shocking is that the participants in the experiment would willingly, even maybe somewhat hesitant, hesitantly, but they would willingly still go through with administering the shocks by, once the order was given by the authority figure. So the, the guy running the experiment would give the order and they would administer the shock. Now this was uh, uh, amazing, but if you look at the way society has gone along with certain narratives associated with the last two years, it's not all that shocking at all. In fact, now we see this willfulness to go along. And I think part of that is you take, you take a hit philosophically. You, you, have to, you have to look at yourself individually and ask yourself what, what you believe in, what grounds you. What grounds you to the point that you would question an authority figure? Is it, is, it, is it just the, you know, do you just not think about it and you just want to go along to get along? Well, going along to get along, what if it hurts others, as the Milgram experiment has proven, as the pandemic has proven? If you go along to get along, people get hurt. People die. That simple. I mean, look at uh, how this works in bureaucracies. Tragically enough, look how it worked out in Uvalde, Texas with the shooting. Horrible, 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 horrible situation and a very, tra I mean, just a terrible tragedy. But at the same time, the, these people talk about making this a gun issue on the political landscape instead of a cultural issue I mean, yeah, the, the shooter was inside and, and he, he committed, you know, a horrible act 
on innocent children. But here's the other thing. The cops outside the school building kept parents, restricted parents of those children from going to get their children. Armed cops stood outside the building for 77 minutes, as we know to be completely factual now. This is completely known now. And did not allow parents to go in to the school building and, and, and try and make an attempt to rescue their own children. Now, that's something I can't fathom. And what I'm really surprised at is it was in West Texas. I'm surprised that at least one parent didn't show up, show up armed and draw down on the cops that may have tried to resist them from getting into the building. I'm surprised that didn't happen. I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad, you know, it was a tragedy all the way around. I mean, I'm glad that this thing didn't escalate in other ways that we would otherwise be talking about now. But either way, it's terrible. And um, this is a cultural issue. So we got to look at things differently. We got to look at ourselves. You know, and I've been in a coach in the fitness industry for over 20 years. I've trained, I've been in the martial arts community. I've trained fighters. I've trained high-level athletes. and tra- I've trained novice and uh, beginners and everyone in between, elderly, you name it. And the thing is, it doesn't matter what level the person, the individual is at. All that it does matter is their willingness to improve and having the mindset to do so and the discipline and and somewhat the creativity to drive themselves and to do things to better themselves and to do that without me standing over them. That's individuality. And that's the thing here. I think philosophically we got to ask ourselves what grounds us. What is the... uh, what is the thing, you know, with the Milgram experiment? Is that something that you would have done? You know, I'll tell you a story. This is a true story, too. I was When I was at the University of Georgia, I think I might have been of uh, maybe second or third year. I remember I was out at the student center one afternoon. It was a pretty, pretty, pretty day. It was uh, close to spring, so it wasn't. It wasn't uh, too cold. It wasn't too hot. It was a nice, cool day, crisp, you know, crisp air. I remember being outside, and this uh, young girl comes walking up with a flyer, and she goes, hey, you want to earn a few bucks to be in an experiment? We, The School of Psychology is running, running an experiment. Would you be interested? And I was like, huh, I don't know, you know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to be a guinea pig <laughs> to somebody to somebody's study, but what what's involved? So she told me, all you got to do is show up. There, it's it's you know pretty simple. You'll just be given a few instructions. The whole thing shouldn't take more than ten minutes. You know, it's pretty pretty simple. I said I'm not going to be you know not going to be stabbed you know stuck or jabbed or poked or prodded on or shocked. None of that. No, no, none of that. Okay. So I went to the psychology building, and I'll never forget. I walked into this building. And they had a locked-off room there. And it was kind of weird because I walked into this room, and it was uh, in the back. It was low-lit, low-lighting. And they had a, 
they had a uh, cubicle set up in the each side of the cub cubicle, which was strange to me because it was the only cubicle in the room. There was no, there's not like a desk next to it. It's not like it was blocking off another room or another desk. It was just a single, you know, desk with a with side walls, so you can't see left or right. You could stand up and look over the wall, and it's just floor and, and another wall, which was weird. That was strange to me. Uh, but anyway, maybe it was part of the setup for the experiment. But anyway, they set a red button there, and uh, they handed me a sheet of paper and a pen. And on this paper, it was a series of questions. Um, I don't know what the purpose was, but maybe just to try to nail down my personality type or, some, or something at the time. I, I can't exactly remember. But I'll fill out the questionnaire. And then after the questionnaire, um, I'm, I'm sitting there, and they left, had left me in the room. There's a metal door behind me, and it's latched shut, and it's locked. And I'm standing there, or sitting there, and I fill out this form, and I'm waiting. And I'm just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, the door opens, and the person comes in and grabs the form and slides the this little plastic looking red button in front of me and uh, says, <coughs> uh, press the button. And uh, turns and walks out. Didn't wait for me to do it and didn't look at me and just gave me an, an instruction and left the room. Shut the door behind me, metal door shut. Here I am again in this room by myself, this stupid plastic button in front of me that's not attached to anything. It's just a like one of those easy buttons you see on the Staples commercials. I think it's Staples or whatever, Office Depot. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this thing. Oh, why the heck did they want me to press this button? And, 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 and I started questioning that inside my head. Something inside of me stop me from doing it and I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm, I'm waiting and I'm not doing anything and I didn't want to touch it because they told me to touch it so the door opens a few minutes later and they come in and just said uh, you haven't pressed the button I said no and uh, I said why do I need to press this button and they said all the, the, the person, the individual that came in at that time, it was a woman. She looks at me and she says, well, that concludes the experiment. And she said, you're welcome to leave. Opens the door and lets me out. I walk out the front. I think they gave me 10 bucks or something like that, 15 bucks, or it was some kind of credit, student credit. I think I bought a lunch with it. But that was it. That was it. And I, that was uh, that was a strange thing, and, and it almost, to me, paralleled this Milgram experiment. I think they were just wanting to see, without an explanation, how many people would just simply follow an order. Uh, yeah, I guess I filled out the form, but I figured, okay, I can see that, and I can see, you know, some result in that or some reasoning in my head, I think, why they would want to do that to learn more about it. And I kind of justified it and I figured that, I filled that out, but I didn't do the, I didn't press this plastic button that was sitting in front of me. And then it turns out that concluded the experiment. 
strange, very, very strange. But anyway, that was a, um, a big parallel to this Milgram experiment. But I point that out to point this out. I had, I had basically, <coughs> excuse me, I had basically uh, figured out that I, I've always found myself in those moments questioning um, things and not just diving into uh, blatantly following instruction without some kind of explanation or some reason or something that I could justify in my mind as to why it needed to be done. And it's always been something that I've found myself doing and I've never really thought about in the moment. I've just, I've, I've just always done it. I never thought about why or there's something inside of me made me stop and question what was going on instead of just proceeding forward just to please some someone or some something or, or, or whatever. I've, I've never done that. It was just a, a certain trait of mine that I've always found myself to do. And I think that's why I get frustrated sometimes when I look around and particularly during the last two years as to why society at large was just so willing to do what they were told without questioning, without skepticism. And I think healthy skepticism is really good. I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's, in fact, I think it's necessary, you know, to, and then to shut down people who want to question things, that's even worse. That, that really sends my red flag up. So, I think you guys can relate to that, and I think that's something that we've all seen and experienced. And going back to the script there with Braveheart, William Wallace, the freedom fighter, you know, he wasn't even up to the very end in that scene. He wasn't willing to give an inch. And that's true bravery. That's true courage. You know, we see this all around. You know, so I've, I've mentioned this quote many times before about Winston Churchill, who said that courage is the most important of all the virtues because it's upon courage that all the others rest. And this is why, you know, even with the fitness industry, you know, I'm not shy now about, and I never really was shy before, but the labels you hear come up like, woke wokeism all this stuff this all modern day cultural marxism and it's just amazing to me because i've read these things when i studied history and studied these things in in school and earlier in my life and it just resonated with me because i realized the danger of it and tied it into history and how it's worked and how it's wreaked havoc throughout societies for generations and so you know like the other day i think i mentioned this had a pretty pretty decently known coach who asked me to in a Facebook thread to define wokeism and I did and I gave him a definition and and you guys know me I don't you know I never uh, attack people personally I don't name call I don't do any of that I, I always just attack with facts and evidence and and history and philosophy I just go at it from real you know hard stuff proven stuff well, after I did this, this particular individual I found unfollowed me on the page, which I thought it didn't bother me 
I don't care about, you know, they want to unfollow me, whatever. I've had people unfollow me all the time. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that the fact that I gave him evidence, known history, known evidence of what's happened, and he couldn't swallow that pill to the point that he would unfollow me over something like that. It says a lot about our society. And I think that's just uh, the problem is so many people want to work really hard to ignore reality or to even invite any skepticism at all. To, 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 to have any, skeptic, any healthy skepticism towards a subject and not examine that subject based on, based on what we know to be factual, what we know to be observable, what you can see and what you can digest. I mean, people just, they don't want to do it. It's just lazy. It's intellectual laziness, I think. And I think that's a problem, too with a lot of us. And it's funny because uh, this particular individual tries to be philosophical and all that, and it just doesn't jive with the message he's trying to put out because you would, if you know, I think personally, if you want to learn and have an open mind about something, then to demonstrate that open-mindedness, you should be able to have a discussion about it, not necessarily a debate, but a discussion, you know, and sometimes those can turn into debates, but it doesn't have to go full-blown debate. And I think that has a lot to do with emotional maturity, emotional, you know, emotional strength as well. But you guys get the picture. I mean, it's, this is something that I'm sure you all can relate to. And I just wanted to put this little bit of audio out today to talk about it. And uh, to get you guys some perspective on that and tell you a little bit about my personal experience on some of these things and how I dealt with them and digested them and the, how I inject that, that healthy skepticism, as I like to call it, into you know, a given situation that might be somewhat, uh, somewhat of, it requires somewhat of a uh, difficult decision. And, you know, I think that's the thing right now is we're all, the, all the easy decisions for where we are in our society now are behind us. We have nothing but difficult decisions ahead of us. Um, financially, inflation, all of this. Um, the economy, the food shortages, the supply chain shortages. But this is why, this is why this substack, this podcast exists, this blog so if you like this message today, you want to give it a go, give it a share, give it a, uh, give it a like, subscribe, I would appreciate that very much. And make sure you share it out with family and friends. And that's all I wanted to get at today, a quick message, something to just kind of throw out there into the ether and let you guys uh, kind of digest on that and maybe stimulate an idea that you hadn't considered before or present to you an experience that I had that perhaps you can relate to yourself and maybe it can help someone you know. So please share, like, subscribe, and um, make sure you keep, a, keep an eye out. Join the Substack community group and stay strong, stay active, stay focused. Peace.
Oh, 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 oh,